thank you for tuning into the media ministry of Weston Road Pentecostal Church. We pray that you will be blessed and inspired as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Also, be sure to check us out on the web at www.westonroadchurch.com for all the latest news and info. been uh, announcing him for a few weeks already, but um, to give you some background, I first started out in ministry in Montreal, Quebec at Fob Street Church, and TJ was one of the youth in my ministry, and uh, I just remember him showing up with an acoustic guitar once that was bigger than him, and he said, I want to play in the youth band, and today it's incredible to look at you and your wife and the, the ministry that God has given you guys, and you've been faithful to the calling on your life, His calling on both of your lives, and as your family grows, um, we are honored to have you with us this morning. I just want to say one more thing to our church before I ask TJ to come up and preach. That is this, part of, actually not part of, the main reason that it was important we invite TJ to come is because we're believing for souls. Amen? And that God would fill this place to the overflow. Those are two overflow rooms in the back. What's important is that when an evangelist comes and uses his gifting for ministry, yes, we will see souls saved, but also the evangelist will impart the heart of an evangelist, which I believe is very close to the heartbeat of God for souls, to see souls saved. So this morning you will hear a message that may speak to the very core of who you are, and you might need to respond. And I pray that you would. And then secondly, that if you're here and you're a believer, that you would hear His heart. Because that's the heartbeat of God for souls. When you go to school, when you go to work, and you will, you will now listen and look at people with a new lens. It won't just be for their clothing and maybe how they're put together or not put together. Uh, but instead, you will see the value of each person because of the soul. And that, that's the area that God wants us to minister in. And so this morning, would you give a warm welcome to T.J. Malkanji. Hallelujah. Amen. Give Jesus a better hand, of, uh, hand, of, a hand clap. Because he's worth it all. He's the reason why we're here. You know, I'm here to preach, but really, we're here for Jesus. I mean, I'm just a messenger. I'm just the, the funnel in which Jesus will pour out a blessing on you today. And I believe every single person here today is going to receive an impartation of faith. And I believe whatever you came here with, you're going to leave here with that package, that miracle package in your hands in Jesus' mighty name. I know I'm in Toronto, so I'm in uh, Maple Leaf territory. So today, I'm going to take the time to preach on hope. No, I'm kidding. It's actually funny because during the worship, you guys started singing about the name of Jesus. And since last week, I've been contempl not contemplating, but I, I knew in my spirit I had to preach on the name of Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, I could show you my notes from last night because I, I studied yesterday and I, I got my sermon down. 
And it's, we're preaching today on the name of Jesus, but it was interesting how God, you know, just makes... I didn't talk to your pastor. I didn't call the worship leader and say, hey, we're going to be talking about the name of Jesus tomorrow. You think you can throw in some sermon about Jesus' name and, and how great it is? Uh, some song about how Jesus' name is great and everything. That's not what we do. So that's how you know the Holy Ghost is here today. And I, that's how you know that God is going to do something great. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when Jesus said, he whom the Son sets free... Is free halfway? Is he free three-quarters of the way? Is he free 99.8% of the way? No, the Bible says, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's 100% perfect wholeness. And I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, everything that's been harassing you the last 10 years, the last 5 years, the last 3 years of your life, today in the name of Jesus Christ, it's going to break on your life. I tell you by divine authority, it comes off you today in Jesus' name. If you believe that, shout amen. I want everyone just to pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for every good and perfect gift, Lord, which you give from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shifting shadow nor variation. I thank you, Father, that you didn't call us to a life of pity, but Father, you said that when we get saved, we enter into a place where we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and from victory to victory. We thank you, Lord, that our best days are not behind us, but Father, you have dictated so that your church in the last days would not crumble down but we would rise up as a mighty army of the living God to bring forth the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. We thank you Father that our best days are in front of us. That just like Paul said I don't look back to what's been going on but this one thing I do I press towards the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you Father that every single person at the sound of my voice listening to me here today. Every single person leaves here with a miracle testimony because of what Jesus has done for us. We thank you, Lord, that we don't fight for victory, but we're fighting from a point of victory of what Jesus has done, not will do, but has done at the cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. And we give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor for unto you it is due because you truly are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of all creation. Everybody says... Hallelujah. We're going to have a great service. I want, to, I want to talk to you about the name of Jesus today. But starting first, I want you to go to Ephesians 4. Because the Bible says very clearly that he that wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. It takes an understanding as to what the name of Jesus brings in order to fully benefit from that name. If you have no understanding of what the name of Jesus is and what it does for a believer, you can never truly benefit from its resources. Do you understand that? Anything that has any any area of scripture in which there is ignorance on, you are not entitled to become a beneficiary of that blessing. If you don't understand healing, you'll never get healed. If you don't understand salvation, if I never preach salvation to anybody, then I can't blame God for nobody getting saved. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, how can they hear unless there be a preacher? And how can there be a preacher unless he's sent? And how can they send unless someone sends them? Just as the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. So he's saying people are not just going to get saved. They need to have an understanding as to what salvation brings in order and what salvation has done for them in order for them to benefit from salvation. 
Amen. If I never preached the, the, the gospel to anyone, that's why the Bible specifically says, before Jesus was taken up, He said what? Stay on your couch, go to church Sunday to Sunday, and do nothing during the week, and I'll send angels to preach the gospel. Don't you worry about that thing. Don't worry, be happy. No. Jesus said, I'm now going to my Father. But this command I give to you, go ye therefore into all the nations, baptizing people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, making disciples of all nations. Then what did he say? He didn't just leave it like that, but he gave us a power. And as you go in my name, they will lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They'll cast out demons. So the Bible says that man has been given a charge to preach the gospel because unless they hear and understand, people will not get saved. That's why we take the time to preach. This is not just, you know, we don't preach 45 minutes just so people can have some sort of motivational speaking. People can get pumped up and ready for the rest, the rest of the week. That's not why we preach. We preach because the, the proclamation of the Word of God is God's method of getting a level of understanding into people's spirit so they can fully benefit from the word of God. That's why the Bible says to go and preach. Because without the preaching of the gospel, no no man will ever get saved. Without the preaching of the full gospel, you know, a lot of people, they talk about the remission of sins in the gospel, and that's exactly, you know, that's a huge part of the gospel. But it's not the full message of the gospel. Jesus didn't just send his disciples to go and preach that people can get saved and and their sin can be washed away. He said... That you, and, and if that was the only case, then that would be great. If that was the only part of the gospel, then amen, I would serve God, preach the same way today than I ever did. But the full gospel, what did Jesus tell his disciples in Luke chapter 9? He said, go now into all the cities and villages, preach the gospel of the kingdom, and as you go, <clears throat> as you go, heal the sick. So one of the great parts, one of the greatest messages in the gospel message as a complete thing is the healing of people's bodies and that's actually the method that jesus used in order to prove and demonstrate that he was the messiah and people say all the time well you know what jesus needed to operate like that or else people wouldn't believe him and the early church needed to operate that way in signs and wonders or else they wouldn't have believed him they wouldn't have believed the early church they would have never believed the preachers and it was necessary for the establishment of the church in the in the early church but that's the most foolish thing i've ever heard and it's exactly what the devil wants to creep into the church so that people will just dismiss signs and wonders. They'll dismiss the healing part of the message of the gospel. They'll dismiss miracles. They'll dismiss the actual flow of the Holy Ghost. And you'd be surprised even in full gospel denominations, Pentecostal denominations, people are starting to get embarrassed of healing, embarrassed of the Holy Ghost, embarrassed of speaking in tongues, not because it didn't work for them. A lot of them are filled with the Spirit, but they're embarrassed because they don't want to preach it. They don't want anyone to become, you know, offended. They don't want anybody to hear the message on healing. And then what if they don't get healed? What if they do get healed? You know what I'm saying? There's so many people who are shying away from this. And it's exactly what the devil wants to do. To cripple a church. Because a church that has no signs and wonders will never grow. Any huge church you see today around the world. Enoch Adeboye's church in Nigeria. David Oedepo's church in Nigeria. Both of them over. I mean, Enoch Adeboye has a building that's three kilometers wide by three kilometers long. And not because there's only eight people there. I'm talking about eight million people gather there for their Holy Ghost conference every year. Not because he preaches, you know, he's, he must be a great speaker. Go listen to him preach. You might, 
I mean, unless you're in tune with the Holy Ghost, you might fall asleep because he's not that great of a preacher. He's very, you know, he's very slow, very calm. But he has something on his life called the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And as a result, I mean, people, they just, they'll, he'll be driving out of the church lobby and people, they'll have to have bodyguards everywhere. People will literally take a handkerchief, whatever they have on them, just to touch his car so that they can bring that thing they touched their, the man's car with, put it on their sick relative and get him healed. And it works. There's testimonies all the time. When he, I mean, there's his conference every year, 8 million people, when they, a new day arises, and there's a, you know, there are three or four day conferences, I believe, and when a new day comes, they have to take, I forget how long it is, like 30, mi- 30 minutes recognizing every newborn child from the night before to today. Saying, we thank God since last night 48 people got, was, were born last night. Just in the service. Because there's so many people there. And I'm, I mean, if you have 8 million people, you're bound to have a many, many pregnant women. Especially in Nigeria, the fertility rate's not like here, 1.3. It's like 9.8 or something. So, and and, and, and they, the difference between him and then a church that has struggles in growing is because they don't understand that Jesus has fully equipped the church to get the mission of the Great Commission fulfilled on the earth. Amen. Jesus, has, he didn't, that's why he said, I will not leave you as orphans. Yeah. The disciples before Jesus left, John chapter 14, were so confused because you just brought us three and a half years with you and now all of a sudden you're telling me you're going back into heaven? What are we going to do? You're the one who's been doing everything for us. You're the one who's been doing all the miracles. Yeah, sure, we've operated a few miracles here and there. But ultimately, people come to hear you. They don't come to hear Peter or John or, or Andrew preach. They're coming to hear you preach. And now you're leaving us. You just led us on for three years. And now you say you're going to die, raise again, and go to the Father. And what did Jesus say? No, I tell you the truth. I do not leave you as orphans. But I le- I'm leaving you with something that is someone. That operates in me. And he said, nevertheless, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go, I cannot send another helper. The Holy Ghost who operates in me. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. No doubt you know of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all oppressed by the devil. Why? Because God was with him. It was the anointing of God on his life. And then John chapter 14 says... Don't worry, because if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So let me get to my message on the name of Jesus Christ. uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. The Bible says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Take note. Being alienated from the life of God. Why? Because God didn't want to manifest His life to them. No. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness and to work all in cleanness with greediness. But you have not, so, you have not learned Christ in this way. In verse 20. If indeed... You have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. It's very important to take note as to who you listen to on a daily basis. If you're listening to preaching, you can't just listen to, 
just pull up anything on YouTube and expect that, you know, God's just going to bless you through that. No, not every preacher is preaching correct doctrine. Not every preacher is preaching things that will be beneficial to you. Not every preacher is preaching the truth as is in Christ Jesus. He's saying you've not learned Christ in this way. But he said there are people who are ignorant to the life of God. And as a result of their ignorance, they've been shortchanged. They've been robbed of the fullness of the blessing of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, In mighty signs and wonders, from Eilachurim all the way down to Jerusalem, I did not shrink back to declare to you the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm taking the time to preach on the name of Jesus Christ today. Because without understanding what that name entails, what backs up that name, the resources behind that name, the healing that carries behind that name, and everything that that name carries, unless you know that, you will never benefit from it. But, Once you get a revelation as to who Jesus is and that the name of Jesus represents Jesus himself and that when you speak Jesus' name, I tell you, every knee shall bow. That when you speak the name of Jesus, demons can't handle it. Demons can't stand it. That when you speak the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven, every knee on earth, and every knee beneath, beneath the earth has to flee, has to vanish, has to flee in the name of Jesus Christ. Then I tell you, a new faith. Faith will arise in your heart. Will you not just speak that name as if you're just reciting it vainly? But there will be something on you that when you speak the name of Jesus, all those things that have been clouding your mind, causing depression in your spirit, they'll vanish, they'll evaporate, and a note of joy will come on you in Jesus' name. You have not learned Christ in this way. So number one, this is why, I just wanted to tell you why I'm talking about the name of Jesus. Because a lot of people, they'll just say, you know, I pray in the name of Jesus all the time. Nothing happens. Because you don't have an understanding. You can't just quote it or just repeat it. Jesus, Jesus. I, I mean, people, even in my church, I just hear them. Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's great. But if you have no understanding... It doesn't matter how many times you repeat it. You can repeat it a thousand times in a row. It won't do anything for you. Just like people who say, I plead the blood of Jesus. What do you mean by that? I don't know, but I plead the blood of Jesus. It don't do anything on it. You got to study to show yourself approved a workman who need not be ashamed. The Bible says, he that goes in the way of understanding. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. The Bible says in Proverbs. Foolishness, ignorance... Being completely ignorant to what God is doing through His Word. And and, and any area of ignorance concerning His Word, it will rob you. It will rob you. Like I said before, if someone never knows the gospel of salvation, it will rob them of salvation, they'll go to hell. If someone doesn't know the the, the healing part of the gospel, they'll never get healed. They'll never get healed. If I mean, for my own testimony, I I had obsessive compulsive disorder. From the age of 13 and on, it started developing. And, you know, it, it's a generalized anxiety disorder. It's, it's, it's not good. And you, I don't know if anyone knows what OCD is. I don't really feel like getting into it. But it's not fun. It's a mental illness, and it plagues you. I mean, just to get ready in the morning, it'll take you like two hours to do something that would normally take a human being 15 minutes to do. And so it, it messes you up. And there's no known cure for it. And so as a result, I went eight years... Doing not, and I wasn't saved. 
I wasn't saved. I got saved four, four years ago. And so all those years, I was plagued with OCD. And then at one point, I just wanted to like get clean. I just wanted to, you know, just, you know, get my, I was smoking a lot of dope, weed and stuff, because it was the only thing that calmed my nerves down. And that's what you have today, a generation, and then our prime minister who just wants to legalize it, it's not going to do anything good. It's just going to mess up the nation. I mean, look at Colorado. Sure, they have more tax money coming in, but this is a secular uh, article that was released on Colorado doctors getting together and proving that the, the amount of psychosis patients, people that struggle with psychosis because of withdrawal symptoms from, uh, from marijuana, have like doubled or tripled. Ever since they, le they legalized marijuana. Because the marijuana today is not like in the 1970s where you can smoke and get a little high, a little buzz, and that's it. They are lacing this stuff with all kinds of chemicals. So people are getting admitted into hospitals, messed up in their mind, completely screwed up. And, they, you know, psychosis is like delusional thinking and everything. So when I, when I was smoking all that, and then eventually at the age of 19, 20, I said, you know what, I just want to get my life clean. I had no intentions of getting back in church. I just wanted to get things clean with God. That's uh, with, 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 my, with myself, sorry. Just get a job, go back to school, stop smoking, start working out again, you know, drink less and everything, smoke, don't smoke anymore. That's all I wanted to do. And so as I began to do that, expecting, you know, the symptoms, anxiety just to go away. Instead, they like multiplied a hundred times because that's exactly what it does. I had friends who... You know, they smoked up every single day, just like I did. And anytime they weren't high, they were the most depressive people to be around. You just wanted to, if you didn't want to kill yourself, you wanted to kill yourself after you hung out with them. Because they were just so depressing to be around. Just, you know, and that's why they smoke. Because the only time they can get a laugh out of them is through a joint. And so, I just wanted to get things clean. And so I stopped smoking. But then the anxiety doubled, tripled, a hundred times more. And I started thinking, you know, psychosis. Just messed up thinking. And, as, and the OCD, like... A million times harsher. And as a result, I had to go to my doctor. And my doctor gave me some, you know, some pills and stuff to soothe the, the symptoms. Because that's all they can do. That's all medical science can do when it comes to mental illness. And some physical diseases is they can only give you some treatment that will cover the symptoms. But really, it's not dealing with the actual cause. It takes the name of Jesus Christ to deal with the actual cause. And so, these... These pills that I, I took them for like four days, and then I realized, man, I look like a zombie. I had like drool coming out of my face. All <laughs> I was like, this is not good. This is not improving my quality of life. It's just sucking everything out so that there's no life signs. And so I, I, I didn't do them. I, I didn't take any more pills. And then I got fed up. I was, I was bedridden for like two weeks. I couldn't get out of bed. And anytime I would eat anything, I would like, even like a banana, the most simple thing to eat. That the doctor literally tells you, eat this if you can't eat anything else. Toast, banana, apple. And then I would eat it and I would just throw up. I wouldn't be able to take... I lost so much weight. I was like 120 pounds or 118. I just thinned out like crazy. I couldn't get out of bed. And then one day I was in my bedroom and I was fed up with the way things were going. I mean, I, if anyone's ever had a panic attack, which I would have them all the time, it's like you're going to die. It, it really feels like I'm I'm dead. Well, better, better get ready to meet Jesus. So it would be like that. I mean, if anyone has ever had a panic attack, you know your heart starts pounding. You think you're having a heart attack. Then your thoughts are getting weird. You start thinking everything that can possibly go wrong. You start looking, is there any like ambulance nearby or something, that, a phone that I can call 911? Because you think you're going to die. There's no way to live. And so 
as I was, uh, I was like in a panic attack, I just said, you know, I'm fed up. I got off the side of my bed. I just jumped off my bed, just rolled off, just like pfft, fell on the floor, got on my knees. And I said, in the, I said, Father, save me in Jesus' name. That's it. Like eight words, not even. And then all of a sudden, I felt like a power, just a peaceful power come on me. And I knew I was saved, but I hadn't been healed at that point. I still had OCD, and I still had anxiety. I just knew I was saved. So, like, my heart changed. The Bible says He'll give you a heart of flesh, take out the heart of stone, and He'll make you willing to walk in the way of His commandments. So I started doing things different. I lo- had a love for people that came on my heart. I knew, like, man, I, if I live through these panic attacks, I just want to give my life to God and just do, you know, preach and, and teach. And then all of a sudden, you know, family members came up to me and they were telling me, you know, you have this OCD because, you know, God's trying to teach you something. Eh, rubbish. God doesn't need the devil's help to teach you anything. You know, their Bible says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? What fellowship does Christ have with the devil? What fellowship does an unbeliever have with a believer? There's no fellowship. There's no connection. There's no secret room where God and the devil are planning, you know, how can we, how can we teach TJ a lesson today? I mean, why don't you lay some OCD on him and tomorrow, you know, I'll just, you know, give him some peace. And somehow in this confusion, he'll come to a point of understanding that I'm the true God. You know, that's not how it works. God and the devil have no deal together. When the, the devil is in the... I mean, if you look at the book of Job, everyone says, well, look what Job had. God did, you know, look at what Job, Job had. He had a miserable life and God, God allowed the devil to do everything. No. Understand that it was the devil who was doing all the damage. God never did one thing to Job. All he did was, what did the devil say? I'd like to afflict him, but there's a hedge of protection around him. I can't even get to him. So God is in the business of raising his people up, not tearing them down. The Bible says, though, that there is a devil, an adversary, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking one whom he may devour. But the Bible doesn't say roll on your belly and have him scratch it. He says, resist him, stand firm in your faith, and ye shall be saved. And so I had family members come up to me. You know, this is just God's way of disciplining you. You know, somehow God's going to get the glory. The only way God gets glory in any type of mess like that is when you get healed, you get delivered, you get restored, and you get the joy of the Lord on your heart. That's the only time God gets glory. God doesn't get glory in you dying in cancer. God doesn't get the glory when you die in diabetes. God doesn't get the glory when you die in whatever sickness and disease that might plague you. God only gets the glory when that disease breaks. Because the Bible says in Colossians 2 that he's nailed the certificate of debt that was against us, contrary to us, to the cross. And he disarmed principalities and powers. He triumphed over them in the cross. Jesus wasn't about going around making healthy people sick. He went about finding the sick people, laid hands on them, got them healed, and said, Now, go and tell your community what great things I've done for you. My brother and sister, I tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, every disease every mental illness every anxiety of the heart every area of cancer in your body of any sickness in your body in the name that is above every name it comes off of you today in Jesus name if you receive that give God a shout of praise So I had OCD and, I, and, you know, I was saved I knew if I died there I was going to go to heaven a lot of people, they think, you know they're just content with being saved. And they've, been, they've absorbed crappy doctrine like that to the point where they're just, you know, there's nothing God's going to do about it. 
If this is God's will, then what am I? Who the Bible says when God uh, when Jesus met with Paul, is it hard for you to kick against the ghost? There's no point in fighting God. So if the devil can make you think that that thing in your body is God, then he'll strip you of all your fight. You'll not want to fight it. But if you understand that what thing is in your body, that disease, sickness, infirmity, is not God's will for your life. What did I start with? James chapter 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning, which means He doesn't change. What does Hebrews 13, 8 say? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What does Malachi chapter 3, 6 say? I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. What does Numbers chapter 23, 19 say? The Bible says, for God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he not spoken? Shall he not bring it to pass? Has he not said it? And will it not make good on it? When God speaks a word in this book called the Bible, it's not to get your hopes up. It's not so you can get through life on a crutch mentality. It's not so you can say, well, God's going to one day pull through. No, God already pulled through 2,000 years ago when he triumphed over all the power of the enemy. He made a public humiliation of all the powers of hell. My brother, sister, you're coming out of it today. The last day of defeat was the last day you'll ever be defeated. Today marks a new season. Today marks a new beginning. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Oh, if I would tell you, you might not believe it. But today is a new season for you in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. I said shout hallelujah. That's the God I serve. And so people told me, this is just God's way of disciplining you. And I believed it. And as long as I believed it, I thought I was holy and pious because I had OCD. Oh, God chose me for this. No, God didn't choose you for nothing. God chose you to be healthy. I mean, what good is it? If I had OCD today and anxiety today, what good would it be? If God called me to preach and every time I get up on the pulpit, I'm just like a weirdo, just like, you know, like what good would it be? I wouldn't be effective at all. What good are you if you're in a hospital somewhere, bedridden? You know, you might reach people in the the nurses, you might reach doctors, but that's not the ultimate potential that you can reach. What better possibility is there? What's the better uh, outcome? If you're in a hospital and you might reach the three, four people and that's it, or... You're in a hospital. God has his healing power flow through your body. You get up. The whole hospital sees it. Dumbfounded. Mounts are gaping. And say, what the heck? I've seen 100,000 people come through this place. Not one of them left here healthy like that with that disease. That disease is incurable. That disease, you, nobody can do anything about that. I've seen 100 people die. But the Bible says 100 might die on my left. 10,000 on my right. But the Bible says these evils shall not plague me. Nor shall any evil come near my tent. Why? Because because the Lord is my refuge. He's my strength. He's my dwelling place. He's my God in whom I trust. What afflicts the world can afflict me. I'm chosen. I'm called out. I'm set apart for great things. That's what you are. Hallelujah. So, I, I, people think, this is just God's way of discipline. I, I believe that. Then, thank God, I have a Holy Ghost pastor. Because I, I, when I got saved, I started going back to church. 
And then I, I, went and I used to go to his office every Wednesday. For about two hours, I would just, we would just talk. And I was messed up, man, in my head. Just messed up. And then having people pump that kind of doctrine, and it doesn't help you anymore. You just get, all right, if I can't do anything about it, you sit down and let the devil slap your face around a hundred times and just take it. And so my pastor told me, who told you that? And I said, one of my family members. Who told you that, you know, this is God's will, discipline in you and everything? One of my family members. He said, that's not right. Then what did he do? He took his Bible out. And he shed light on what Jesus' will actually was. He told me, he brought me out of an area of ignorance. And he gave me understanding. You know, most people who say that, you know, this is God's way of disciplining you. Or, you know, God's going to take you through the valley before he can show you the mountain. Show me where that is in the Bible. Show me where it is. I don't see, you know, anywhere in the Bible where Jesus met a blind man. And he said, you know what, Luke, who's the physician, right? Luke, you got any more fish oils? Anything we can help this guy with? Brother, we understand you're blind, but this is just God's way of doing things. And you just got to accept it. And Luke, get him some fish oil so you can be all right for the moment. And, you know, eventually maybe God will heal you, but we don't know. Some say yes, some say no, some say maybe. Show me where that is in the Bible. God's will is always yes when your faith says yes. Look at that Syrophoenician woman. Jesus, Jesus, my daughter lies home dreadfully tormented and paralyzed. Jesus didn't ask her a word because she was a Gentile. So at that time, Jesus said, I have not come but only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So it wasn't the full dispensation yet. It was in a dispensation where just the Jews were getting, you know, the, the, the gospel message. And Jesus' assignment was just to the Jews. But now, from, from the gospels on, from the book of Acts on, the whole... The package was delivered to everyone. Now everybody's included. Gentiles, Jews, whatever you are. Barbarian. Doesn't matter what you are. And so, Jesus, Jesus looked at that Syrophoenician woman and said, Look, it's not good to take the children's bread and feed it to the dogs. Not talking to the woman like a dog, but he, people get that. Well, Jesus called the woman a dog. No. It was a term. It was a Jewish idiom. They would use it. And so the woman, who had absolute dedication and determination... I didn't come here to get turned away. I came here to get my miracle, to leave here so I can go back home to my, my daughter, no longer tormented, but in her mind, in her right mind. So she was determined and expectant when she came to Jesus. And so Jesus said, it's not good to take the children's bread, throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, but even the children or even the dogs get to eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And what did Jesus say? Oh, woman. Great is thy faith. Let it be so as you have desired. Faith will not only get you what you need. Faith will get you what you desire. Some people say, well, you know what? Depression, it's not really life-threatening. I can live through it if I take my meds. So, you know, God, I don't really need it. But if you want, no. If your faith says yes, God will never say no. Let it be so as you have desired. And so my pastor shed light on it and said, no, this is what God's word says. That he bore your sicknesses. He bore your diseases. And I, I got it into my spirit. Then as I was sitting, I went home that day. I didn't get healed yet. And I was, at, I was on my couch, on my iPad, just listening to a preacher called Jonathan Shuttlesworth, who is a great friend of mine today. And he's, he's been a great help. 
And as I was listening to him, I never heard up until like a few hours ago with my pastor. And as I was on that couch, I had never heard that the full gospel actually included the healing of my body and the healing of my mind. Never heard. I just thought it was the remission of sins, which would have been great. I was going to go to heaven. But Jesus isn't just interested in blessing you when you get to heaven. The Bible talks about the promises of healing, the promises of joy, of of peace in your mind. You don't need any of those promises in heaven. There won't be any depression in heaven. There won't be any sickness in heaven. You don't have to take part of those promises in heaven. There won't be any promises in heaven because everything will be perfect. Those promises, those covenant promises were for the church to take hold of today in this day and age. And so... As I was listening, he started preaching out of Isaiah 53. Surely he himself bore your sicknesses and he carried your pains. He bore your sicknesses. Bore, the word bore in the Hebrew, talks about an alleviation of someone's burden and a full taking on of that burden. It's not Jesus is carrying it with you. It means he alleviated, he took it off of you and he put it on himself. And the Bible says he carried your pains, pain in your body. And the Bible goes on to say, Yet we esteem him smitten, stricken of God, and afflicted. Yet he was pierced through for our transgressions. That, talks, that deals with forgiveness of sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. That talks about washing away all your guilt. He, the chastisement of our peace was on him. That talks about mental torment. Then it says, By his stripes ye were healed. And then in 1 Peter 2.24, he reiterates it. Peter, when he writes the, the, his epistle, he says, in, him, in his own self-same body, he carried your sins... So that we might die to sin and live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Twice it says, every time God says something once, listen to it. If He says something twice, pay every attention to it. And so as I heard that, as the man of God was preaching it, I was on my couch. I wasn't even in the church. I was on my couch. God will touch you where you're at. And as I was listening, all I, I just closed my eyes and started thanking God. That I don't have to wait for some future thing to get healed. But I was healed 2,000 years ago. I was healed at the cross at Calvary. That Jesus took stripes on his back. And immediately, I tell you, I saw a vision of Jesus. A wooden pole. And he was tied to that pole. And his knees were on the ground. And he was taking lashes on his back. And he looked at me, face all bloody. And he said, I did this so you can be made whole. And I tell you, immediately. Everybody say immediately. Immediately. Immediately, I felt an electric bolt. Not some, you know, mystic electricity. I'm talking about a real electricity that came from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And from that day on, I never had another ounce of OCD. I stand here today as a testimony of the healing power of God. And I tell you today, God doesn't show any favorites. If He did it for one, He'll do it for all. You're coming out in Jesus' mighty name. That's why I preach this way. I don't preach this way because someone won me over in an argument. He debated and, you know, his facts were great. Jesus did raise from the dead. I mean, if you go to the tomb, there's no one in the tomb. That's not why I preach this way. I preach this way because I didn't have to go and visit a tomb. I had Jesus come and visit me where I was at and he healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. And I'm going to praise his name, baby, all the days of my life. Because the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. His goodness is 
is forever. His promises to every generation. There's not a generation that he's forsaken. But if we'll just get off our little carousel and say, God, I need a touch. I need a fresh fin filling of the Holy Ghost and power. Then God will take you out. Just like he did to David. He took me out of the miry clay. He put me on a rock to stay. I will not fear. The Lord is my strength and my salvation. The Lord is the light of my life. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can disease do to me? Devil, you've been disarmed. You've been taken out of the way. I'm set free. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I've been seated far above every name, every power, every principality. The devil's under your feet this morning. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. You got dominion today. You got authority today. Walk in that light. And I tell you, your best days are yet to come. Turn to Acts chapter 3. I said I would talk about the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. When you're there, shout amen. amen. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together to the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. Lame means paralyzed, not like not interesting. <laughs> I used to read that and be like, man, this guy, poor guy, he just wasn't interesting to be around. I don't think he needs healing. I think he just needs like, you know, some fresh wardrobe or something. I don't know. Certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. Isn't that sad? Put him in front of a temple called Beautiful. To ask alms from those who entered into the temple. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple. Asked for alms. Which is donations or charity. And read this. Fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said look on us. Point number one. When we understand the name of Jesus Christ. And everything that it brings. The church will not be a referral system. It will deal with the problems itself. Too long. We've made the church just some giant referral system. Anyone that comes in with depression, oh, I know a good psychiatrist. I have nothing against counselors. I have nothing against Christian psychiatrists and Christian psychologists. Nothing against my cousin's one. I have nothing against it. But even they will admit that we might be able to counsel them to a point where they might have a better standard of living. But ultimately, the depression remains until Jesus does the work. The anxiety remains until Jesus does the work. Counseling's great. I, I mean, I, I talked to a counselor when I was messed up. And he helped me out a lot. He'll give you techniques until the healing comes. Until I got an understanding of what the healing, when the healing was going to come. You know, the counselor helps. And so, too long. We've been a referral system. Anyone that comes in sick. Well, I know a good specialist in that domain. When everyone comes in, you know, anyone comes in with a... Any type of problem. We just refer them to a specialist that will deal with that problem. But let me tell you, there's only one specialist that deals with every single problem. And his name is Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, and the early, the early disciples knew that. They didn't see him lame at the temple and say, oh brother, let's go and get, let's get him to Luke, carry him. No. The Bible says they looked at him and said, look on us. They had a confidence that what they carried was the very, per was the very uh, ability to set that man free. They had a confidence, a full assurance that what I have has the ability to set this man free. That's why if we continue to read. Look on us, they said. 
So verse 5, he gave them his attention, get this, expecting to receive something. You can't come to church without expectancy. If this is just your Sunday morning ritual, then it will remain nothing more than a Sunday morning ritual. But if you come to church with full assurance that Jesus is going to save me today, Jesus is going to deliver me today, that I don't have to walk with this disease, this sickness, this ailment one more day, but I'm coming out today. You have to have that expectancy. That's why the man, he looked expecting to receive something. you got to come to church knowing that this is a place. What did he say? When he went in Matthew chapter 21, he went into the temple and he saw people buying and selling and he overturned the, chain, the tables of the money changers. You know, Jesus, full of grace and mercy, takes out a whip, whips everyone out because they had perverted the purpose of the church. And that's exactly what most places are. They're perverted images of what Jesus really came to establish. Jesus didn't come to have some community country house where people can come and exchange numbers or make business partners. This is not a place where people come to talk about what they did during the week and you know let's get together Thursday for coffee this is a place where Jesus said my place shall be called a house of prayer you've made it a den of thieves then what happened the Bible says the blind and the lame came to him after he drove out all the junk the blind and the lame came to Jesus and he began to heal them all he restored the function of the church because Jesus knew what he carried before the church will have its function and purpose restored the church needs a fresh revelation of what they have of who's they are of who they serve we don't serve a dead God Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever he was dead but behold I live and I hold the keys of death hell and the grave hallelujah look on us they expected to receive something say I'm expecting to receive something today oh wouldn't it be nice if something happened today No, not wouldn't it be nice. What did that woman with the issue of blood say? The Bible says there was a certain woman with a hemorrhage in her system 12 years. She had suffered much by the hands of many physicians and was no better, but rather grew worse. And this woman hearing that Jesus was coming to town, what what happened? She fixed behind the cloud, got on her knees and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I might be made well. No. I know I will be made whole if I touch the hem of his garment. Not possibility mentality. It was absolute assurance in her heart that if I can just get close to this guy, I've heard that he's been healing everyone. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 23, Then Jesus went about all the the cities in Galilee, teaching in all their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of sickness and every kind of disease among the people. Then news of him spread throughout the whole land of Syria, and they began to bring to him those that were sick and demon-possessed, those with epilepsy and all kinds of problems, and he healed them all, the Bible says. And that's what that woman, she must have heard of the revivals Jesus was conducting. Everywhere he went, people were getting healed. Everywhere he went, people were getting touched. My friend, Jesus hasn't changed in 2017. He's still the same. That everywhere he goes, if there will be a man who's serious with God and will say, God, I'm not content with status quo junk. I'm not content with the way Christianity has been going. Lord, endue me with a fresh power that can go, that I can go around just as you did and heal those that were sick so I can bring revival to this nation. Canada doesn't need another religious institution. Canada doesn't
doesn't need another preacher get up and be a motivational speaker. Canada needs men and women of God who will rise up full of the Holy Ghost and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I believe those people will come out of a meeting like this where you're not going to remain content, but you're going to say, if Jesus healed in those days, I'm going to the hospital today and my sick relative is coming out. Not my, but he's coming out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's what you got to get in your system. Look on us. That woman, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made well. And guess what? She touched the hem of his garment and the Bible says Jesus stopped in his tracks. Look behind. Who touched me? Who touched me? He didn't have the word of knowledge as to who it was. But he said, who touched me? What do you mean, the disciples said? You have a whole crowd pressing against you, and you're going to ask us who touched you? I don't know. Maybe the 30,000 people who are around you right now, maybe one of them touched you. And Jesus said, no. Someone deliberately touched me with the touch of faith. For I felt virtue, which is a nice King James version of saying power. I felt power come out of me. And then that woman, trembling and fearing because of what, what she had done. Because if you had a hemorrhage, she had a, it was a menstrual problem. She would bleed and it, and it wouldn't stop. It wasn't a monthly thing. It was an always thing. And so if you had that in that time, you were cursed. If you came out of quarantine, you were stoned on the spot. That's why she didn't want to come out. Who touched me? She came out. Told them everything she did. And what did Jesus say? Get the stones. Let's get, no. He said, woman, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Not maybe, expecting. That's why the Bible says, do not cast away your confidence. Knowing that he who promised is faithful to bring it to pass. Romans chapter 4 talks about Abraham's faith. The Bible says, In the presence of God whom he believed, God who gives life to the death and calls those things into being which do not exist. Abraham was not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body, which was as good as dead. Some people, they lose their expectancy right when they get a symptom kick up in a service like this. Oh, but I still have that pain. Ah, How can I really expect something like that? Doctors told me this. Who cares what your doctor told you? Your doctor doesn't have preeminence over Christ. Christ has preeminence over every situation. Your doctor's report can change. Jesus doesn't change. He's always a friend. I mean, there was a testimony of my friend Jonathan again. He laid hands on a woman who had no two, two discs in her back that got removed. Uh, they, they like, I don't know what happened. I think they, anyways, they weren't there. She, she was missing two discs in her back. And as a result, she came to a meeting like this. And my friend laid hands on her. And then she, she left because she knew she had been healed. She felt the two discs. She went back to her, her doctor who gave her an MRI. And the MRI showed who had, she, he had visible proof. One scan, no discs. Does another scan, two discs. What happened? The guy was so mad, he threw out his MRI, MRI machine and bought a $400,000, because that's how much they cost, another machine, ordered it in, told her to come back when it came in. They came back, disc still there. 
So he, the woman says, I heard him go to the back with the, with the results and start cursing because he didn't understand what was going on. It's about time some doctors get a little messed up and say, I, can't, I mean, I'm not supposed to say this. I'm not allowed to say this, but I can't deny that Jesus must have done a work for you. <laughs> Expectancy. <clears throat> then what happened? Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. So he said, I, I, and it's not like, oh, the early church was poor. The Bible says in the next chapter, you know, there was no lack in them. So that's not what he was saying. He was probably saying, I, did, I forgot my wallet at home. And it's not like they had, do you take debit? <laughs> I mean, today, if you're a homeless guy, you, don't, you know, generally don't have a Moneris machine where you're like, <laughs> silver and gold, have not I. But what did he say after? Such as I do have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately. You know, immediately is mentioned 38 times in the Bible, 34 times in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. People say, oh, you just got to be patient, brother. No, Jesus wasn't patient. Do you think it pleases God for you to go another day in that condition? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't please Him. He loves you. Understand, God doesn't perform healing. God is healing. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. So it actually, I mean, look at him. Going Matthew chapter 8, walks into the house of Simon Peter, sees his mother-in-law sick, lying sick with a fever. And what happens? The moment he walks in, he saw Peter's mother-in-law on the bed, just looking like a mess. She probably had a flu or something. The moment he walks in, he said, I can't be in this atmosphere like this. Touches her on the hand. Get up. And the Bible says immediately she arose and served him. That's the anger Jesus has towards sickness and disease. He doesn't want it in any person that was created in his image. You were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of God. You are not meant for failure. You are meant for greatness. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. But it's hard to do exploits when you're sick. But I tell you the truth in the name of Jesus Christ. Every infirmity turns to testimony today. And you will go out to preach that testimony to those around you. Your family members will get saved as a result in Jesus' name. That's what happened to me. I had people, people close to me who were like lukewarm on the, you know, on the, on the wall, didn't want to really give it all for, for, for uh, give their whole heart to Jesus. They were just, you know, in and out the church. When I got saved and healed, they were at my baptism, weeping. And they all gave their, my, two of my cousins caught fire for God from that day, never the same. Which, you know, is great because they're most, one of the most hard-headed people I've ever heard and seen. Such as I do have, I give unto thee. The early church knew what was in the name of Jesus Christ. The early church knew. He said, silver and gold have I not. But such as I do have. They knew they had something. They knew they carried something. They knew there was an authority that backed that name. Kenneth Hagin says a story once he was preaching on John 14. Asking, uh, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And so there was a... uh, 
this was actually e Kenneth Hagin talking about E.W. Kenyon. Does anyone know E.W. Kenyon? Get his books, he's great. And he, he was alive in like the 18, early 1900s. And he said as he preached that sermon, ask me anything in my name and I'll do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that there was a lawyer present in his meeting. And the lawyer said, the way you talk, you're, you, the way you're speaking, it's as if Jesus gave full power of attorney to the church. And then he said, well, you're the lawyer, you tell me. He said, if language means anything, the way you're saying, if you ask anything in my name, the word ask in that specific area is if you demand anything in my name. And it's not demanding from God. It's demanding that that sickness leaves. It's demanding that that devil quits plaguing your life. That's what it is. It's not demanding, you know, I demand you God to do. That's not what it is. It's demanding that whatever is adversarial to you comes out in Jesus' name and leaves. No longer to, to bother you. If The way you're talking, you're saying that Jesus gave full power of attorney to the church. And he said, you're the lawyer. You tell me. Say, if language means anything, that means Jesus gave full power of attorney. Any lawyers here? No lawyers? You're a lawyer or studying in law? What does full power of attorney mean? I, I won't call you out. Full power of attorney, you disagree with me if it's right. Full power of attorney means everything that represents that person and every power that that man holds, every resource he has, when he gives full power of attorney to someone, that man acts now as a delegated authority, as, as a representative of that person himself. Am I right? There you go. I didn't go to law, so I, I can't give you the, the exact terms, but that's what it means. Everything that that name represents, when a Christian uses it, it's as if Jesus himself were making the demand. That's why they said, such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. They reached him up, and immediately his feet and anchor bones were strengthened, and he began to walk. Then if you read, what was, what was the source of that? Go on to verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed on who was healed, held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. When Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? That's another thing. As Christians don't feel qualified to use the name. If you're born again, you can use the name. If you're not living in sin, you can use the name, and it'll work for you. The name works for anyone created in the image of God, and has been reborn, according to John chapter 3. You know, unless a man be born again, he'll not enter the kingdom of God. Once you're born again, you have full access to everything in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus, when he told the parable of, of, a, of, of a man preparing a feast for his servants, he said, all things are ready, come now and dine. Everything's been ready. Everything, the table is set. God has prepared a feast for you. It just takes you pulling up a chair, sitting down and beginning to eat. That's all it takes. There was a man who went to Australia once. And he had purchased a ticket, spent everything he had to get to Australia. And as he was on his way, he bought a bunch of crackers because he knew he wouldn't be able to buy anything on the, on the ship. This was back in like 1900s, early 1900s. And so this man bought a bunch of crackers and he stayed in his room and he would just eat the crackers on his way. And he, was, yeah, he lost a lot of weight because it was a three-week journey and he wasn't able to you know, eat meat or anything. So he was just suffering a bit from you know, bad malnutrition. And then 
one of, on the like last week, I think it was, someone came to him and knocked on his door and said, where have you been? We haven't seen you in three weeks. He said, well, I don't have money to go, to go and eat anything. I don't have any, you know, any resources. I spent everything I had on this ticket. Show me your ticket. He goes, looks at the ticket. He says, I would have said it. I would have said you idiot because <laughs> he looked at his ticket and said, do you not know that this ticket is an all-inclusive ticket? You have full access to all the, not only all the food on the ship, you have full access to the captain's table every night. This is the best ticket you can buy. And the man, just, I mean, think of how stupid you can feel after that. And that's the picture of the church. We're feeding off crackers when God has prepared everything in that name. The name of Jesus, which has the full backing of heaven. But I tell you, today is the day where you pull up a seat at the master's table and say, if God be for me, nothing can be against me. I'm going to eat from the table of the Lord. That's why Psalm 23 says, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The devil's had a field day with you, but as you come to a knowledge as what that name brings, Today you begin to feast on the goodness of God and everything that caused you malnutrition is going to leave in Jesus' name. It's not about time we stop feasting off crackers. It's about time we start eating the 18-ounce ribeye steaks of heaven and get everything God has for us in Jesus' name. Then God, why do you, why, why do you look so intently at us? At us, as though by our own godliness or power, we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus. Skip down to verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you both see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given this man perfect soundness, in the presence of you all. The faith which comes through his name. That's why we took the time to preach today. To build faith into your spirit. To build faith into your heart. Knowing that that name is not just some rabbit's tail that you carry around hoping things don't turn out bad. It's not some lucky charm or a four-leaf clover that you have around your neck. But that name holds the very resources and power of heaven. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 and I'll close with this. If the band wants to come up, you may do so. The very resources of heaven. Full power of attorney. No wonder the Bible says in John 1.12, And as many as did receive him, to them gave he the what? Power. The other word for power is exousia in the Greek. Exousia is, it refers to a delegation of authority, a full power of attorney. To them that received Jesus Christ, to them gave he the power, the exousia, the delegated authority to act like sons of God on the earth. To everyone, and then it says, to them that believe in his name. Your access key to a life of supernatural is the mention of the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read this in Philippians 2, and then we're going to pray for people. Because you can't pray, you can't preach a sermon like this and have no miracles happen. It's impossible. Even if I butchered the message, it don't work. It, it, the word went out, and Jesus, uh, God said in Isaiah 55, So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. 
shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish the thing in which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I send it for. Nothing can hold back the word. Nothing can hold back the name. If anything could actually stay in your life after you speak the name of Jesus in full assurance as to what that name brings, then that, that thing has more power than God. But let me show you something. Philippians chapter 2, starting from verse 5. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Or let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This understanding be in you. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to God, to be equal with God. But made himself of no repute, taking form, the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of a cross. Now get this. This will change your life. Get this in your spirit. Come to the altars with this in your spirit. And, and you'll leave here completely transformed. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name not beneath not equal to above every name that at the name at the mention of that name every tongue shall confess sorry every knee shall bow of those in heaven of those on earth and of those beneath the earth what is that saying? It works in every realm of life. It has to re wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against whirlers of darkness in this world, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of every stronghold whether they be in heaven whether they be on earth whether they be under the earth do you know that that thing plaguing you though you can explain it in the natural you might have cancer and you can go and check an x-ray and they'll tell you exactly where the cancer is but reality is that that cancer is caused by an unseen entity that there are spirits of infirmity that there's a devil really out there seeking one whom he can kill because if he can wipe you out before your time that he's done away with you he doesn't have to worry about you another ounce he doesn't have to worry about you another day you'll never do anything dead because the bible says david said lord if i perish god if i perish who's gonna proclaim your truth if i die can the dust praise your name you're no good to god dead you're only good to god healthy and vibrant and it's in the name of jesus christ that you're gonna get that today in the name of jesus christ i tell you Lift your hands all over this place. Lift your hands, both hands up. In the name of Jesus of things plaguing you in the heavens of things plaguing you on earth maybe it's people trying to harass you at work people trying to make your life miserable maybe it's a city hall trying to make things for this church hard I don't know what it might be whether it be in hell 
and you have a devil coming against you and it feels like you feel like you're walking around with 18 people on your shoulders and you feel heavy as heck I tell you in the name that is above every name every single one of those adversaries they come to nothing now in Jesus name not by might not by strength but by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ you leave here today totally set free and changed in Jesus name if you believe that why don't you shout unto God with a voice of triumph and clap all ye hands knowing that you are a new creature every knee shall bow that's not talking about one day it is talking about yeah one day they will bow but it's saying even now that name still carries the authority to cripple every disease, every demon, every harassing spirit. Trust me, I know I had OCD. Doctor can tell me whatever it is, lack of serotonin, lack of whatever. But I know that there was a demon behind that. It's not natural to kill yourself. It's not natural to think suicidal thoughts. It's not natural to think, you know, how can, what's the easiest way to just end my life? That's not natural. It's not natural to think, man, things are not going to work out for me. That's not natural. That's the devil trying to rob you of your peace. That's why the Bible says, don't be anxious for anything. But in all things, by prayer, in the name of Jesus Christ, by supplication, along with thanksgiving for that name, make thou your request known unto God. And that peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it'll guard your heart, it'll guide your mind in Christ Jesus. There's something about the name of Jesus. We sing a song at our church, and it goes, Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus powerful? Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? It's a wonderful name. E.W. Kenyon has a book called The Wonderful Name of Jesus. It's an amazing name. It changed my life. Because when I knew that that stupid devil that was plaguing my mind was sent by hell, all it took was the name of Jesus Christ to subdue it under my feet. The Bible says he's raised us together in Christ Jesus and has made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Far above every principality. Go read it. Ephesians 1. Far above every principality, every, every dominion, every power, and every name that is named. You carry dynamite in the name of Jesus Christ. You carry an authority that heaven, earth, and things beneath the earth have to answer to. There's nobody who can contest that name. There's nothing that can say no to that name. There's nothing that can stand straight to that name. That's why the Bible says the demons run and flee. That's why that song says the demons run and flee. What? At the name of Jesus, the King of Majesty. That's the name you carry if you're born again today. If you're not born again, I want to give you an invitation. If you've never made... You know, the Bible says, repent and be thou converted in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So the first thing, if you're not right with God, you have no right to mention that name. The only right you have, the only way God will hear you is if you pray a prayer of forgiveness in that name. 
When you pray a prayer of forgiveness, saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I've sinned. But today I ask you to come into my heart in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the first step. That's the first thing the name will do for you. And if it was the only thing, it would be great. It's to say, it is to get you saved. Be converted in the name of Jesus Christ. And then it says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So your access point is to get saved in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want everyone just to stand with me and and close your eyes, bow your head. And I want you to be honest with yourself and tell, you know, ask yourself, am I living right with God? If I speak that name, would God be entitled to hear me because I've been living right, right? That I've really put sin aside? I'm not saying, you know, you, you stumbled yesterday, you, you, stubbed your, you stubbed your foot and you let out a, you know, something you shouldn't have said and now you think you're going to hell. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are walking hand in hand with sin. And you're not 100% sure that if Jesus were to come back today, you'd spend eternity in heaven. You don't know that for sure. You're not certain that heaven is your home today. You have doubt in your heart that if Jesus were to split the eastern sky today and the rapture were to happen, man, I don't know if I would spend eternity in heaven. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to meet God. The Bible says prepare to meet thy God. The way you prepare is to get saved. And the way to get saved is to pray a prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and with your head bowed and eyes closed and you have, you're searching your heart, and you're saying, man, I know I'm not living this Christian life the way God has called me. I haven't dropped complete ties with sin. I'm still, you know, doing things I know I shouldn't be doing. But today I want to make a decision. Today I want to make a choice of my own volition that I'm through with living the way I live. I'm going to cut ties in relationships that need to be cut tied with. I'm going to cut You know, people out of my life that need to be cut out of my life. But today I make a purposeful decision to join hands with Jesus Christ. And from this life, this this time forth, to forsake sin. Just like the Bible says, do not walk on the way of the, the wicked. Do not walk in the path of sin. Turn your foot away from it. Do not travel on it. Go away from it and pass on. If you've been walking on that road, the Bible says, broad is the way. And easy is the way which leads unto destruction. And there are many who enter by it. But there's another way that the Bible says it's narrow. And few are they that enter in it. But they that enter it, the Bible says, shall inherit life. Life eternal. And eternal life doesn't just start when you die and go to heaven. Or else it wouldn't be eternal. Eternal life starts right now. Eternal life starts today. With you making this decision. With you saying, Jesus, I'm ready. To make you the Lord and the master of my life. And I cut ties with everything that was holding me down. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore let us lay aside every sin and every encumbrance, which means weight, that so easily entangles us. And let us run this race with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. You can have a relationship with God 
It sounds almost irrational and abnormal, but it is. It, it really is. That's why the Bible calls it the mystery of the faith. It's a mystery that God would want to care for me and God so me. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you take thought of him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the angels. You might be thinking, what would God want to do with me? What would God have any interest in me? Let me tell you, God has every interest in you. That's why the Bible says God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe on him would never perish, but inherit eternal life. If that sounds like you. I want you today to be honest with me. And I want you to be honest with God. And at the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up. And make a decision. And it has to be public. The reason why I make it public is because Jesus said, If you publicly confess me before man, I will then turn around and publicly confess you before my Father and His holy angels. But if you deny me before men, I too will deny you before my Father and His angels. That's why we make a public declaration of faith. That's why Joshua, if you read it in the book of Joshua, he drew a line in the sand and he said, You who are going to serve the Lord today, I want you to come and cross this line to signify to every man and not only to every man but to every devil in hell that I'm making a decision today to drop hands and drop ties with everything that's been weighing me down and today I join hands with the Prince of Peace the wonderful counselor the mighty God of heaven and earth the Bible says they looked unto him and became radiant and their faces were no longer ashamed Everything that's been causing you shame will be wiped away when you look to Jesus this morning. So I want to give you an invitation. If you fall under two categories, number one, you've never made a public declaration of your faith. You've never, maybe it's the first time you've ever heard this message preached. Perhaps it's the first time you've ever been to church. Who knows? But something in your heart today came alive and you know that what I'm preaching is not some fairy tale mumbo jumbo religion but I'm preaching the truth of all the universe and something in your heart is convicting you of the truths that I've preached today and you know that this Jesus whom God raised from the dead is the real God and you want to make a decision today to follow him and to commit your life to him the Bible says commit your ways to the Lord and your plans will be established acknowledge him in all your ways and all your paths will be made straight the only thing withholding you from straight paths is an acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior today so I want you, if you fall into these two categories, number one, you've never made that decision. Or number two, maybe once upon a time you didn't make that decision. Maybe once upon a time you were following God. You had, you know, you were on fire for God. Everything was going straight. And you, you were, man, hitting the arrow right on the target. But all of a sudden, your arms got weak and you started missing the target. You fell back into old things that you had held, you had been broken away from, but all of a sudden now they have bondage over you. You know, the Bible says, therefore, if you've been set free, do not subject yourselves to a yoke of bondage again so as to destroy that freedom. But some of you, maybe today, you've fallen back into old habits and you've destroyed that sense of freedom. You've, you know that you're not right with God, that there's an area of lukewarmness in your heart. And the Bible says, if you are lukewarm, Jesus said this in Revelation chapter 3, that I will actually spit you out of my mouth. So it's not something something to joke around with. It's not something to play games with. It's something to say, Lord, I'm not going to risk it. I know I'm lukewarm, but today I make a decision to follow you wholeheartedly. Set me ablaze for your kingdom. If that sounds like you on the count of three, I want you just to lift your hand up. Three, two, 
One, just quickly, just lift your hand. Amen. I see that hand. 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 Praise the Lord. Lift your hand real high. I'll give you a little more time if you have to make that decision today. Don't be hesitant. Don't be shy. Just lift that hand. I'll give you a little more time. Amen. 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 If you lifted your hand, I want you quickly just to slip out of your sleep and come to these altars. I'm going to pray with you. Don't be shy. Come quickly. Those who have more courage, let them come first and let your courage inspire others. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Come forth. Come forth. The master calleth. Come in nine. Amen. Praise the Lord. I know there's more people over here. If you lift your hand, just come forth. If you came with a friend, just tap them on the shoulder and come up. I'm going to pray with you. Just line up in the front. There's still time. If you have, if you need to make right with God, just make your way to the altar. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a great harvest. Great harvest. Praise the Lord. There's still time if you want to come. I know there was a few hands in this section. Don't be shy. Nobody's going to bite you. Amen. I feel a tug of my spirit to just wait a little longer. So, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, well, we'll get to pray. You at the front, if you just look up to me, I'm just going to give you a few words. This is the best decision you can ever make, best decision you'll ever make, and it'll mark a change in your life forever. Marked out for eternity. Paul said, I bear in my body the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, let no man ever trouble you again. That's what Paul said. You've been marked. The Bible says when you get saved, that he seals you with the Holy Spirit of promise. He seals you. Marks you out in this generation. Amen. So if you're at these altars, and if you want to join in the church, just bow your heads and pray with me. This simple prayer. Say, Father. Say say it with everything that's in you. Say, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you. That you didn't leave me. As an orphan. You didn't leave me. To be a pauper. But you sent your son Jesus. To die a sinner's death on the cross. So that I can live a king's life on earth. Thank you for redemption. Thank you that my life changes today. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. That washes away every sin. And lifts off every weight that has been weighing me down. I confess with my mouth. That Jesus is Lord because I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I was a sinner, but today I become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for changing my life, for making me new, for restoring what was lost. And from this day forward, I join hands with you. You are the master of my life. 
You are the Lord of my life. And I purposefully from this day forth will serve you with everything that is in me in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands. Those that clap for souls shall never be in want. Do you have something to give them or like a package or? Okay. Take their names maybe? Okay. So just, they're just going to take your information just to check up on you when you, you know. Don't make this the last time you ever come to church. Make it a point to be here every week because, you know, if I, if I just went and ate a meal on Thanksgiving and that was the only meal I ate all year long, I would die you know, a couple of weeks later. So you can't just make this the only meal you ever eat for your spirit being. You need to feed your spirit, man. And the way you feed that is by listening to the Word. And that's when you come to church. Pastor John's a great pastor, great preacher, a great guy. I can vouch for that. Amen. Tonight, I preached on, today I preached on, on the name of Jesus. Tonight, I'm going to lay hands on people who need healing, who need deliverance. And uh, I'm going to preach a miracle service. And we're going to have great, great time in the presence of God. So, but before that, I just want to pray for that man. The power of God's been all over you since the beginning. Hallelujah. Can I shake your hand? In the name of Jesus Christ. system in the name of Jesus Christ. I command anything that's been distorted, anything from, maybe it's from your born, I don't know, or maybe it was an accident, I don't know what it was, but in the name of Jesus Christ, I command total restoration in you, in Jesus' mighty name. Everything that the enemy meant for evil to take you out, in Jesus' name, I break that over your life. Every area that's been receding, that's been growing worse and worse in the name of Jesus Christ. I reverse that tide of wickedness and I command the healing power of God to come on you now in Jesus' mighty name. of Jesus Christ, total and complete, that this wheelchair would be done away with, that he'd be a testimony not only to this church, but to everyone that knows him, that just as that man in Acts chapter 3 was healed, lame man, immediately his feet and ankle bones were strengthened, the Bible says, everyone gathered around Peter, seeing the man that was healed, Father, that this healing would result in a citywide revival in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' name. Jesus. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it. In the name of Jesus Christ. I break that spirit of infirmity. 
I command it to die out now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Leave and never come back. No more harassing this man. In the name of Jesus Christ. From this day forward, Father, I command healing in these legs that he'll run and not grow weary. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How many of you had a great service today? You feel like you got strengthened? If you feel like something, just strengthen your spirit. Just lift your hand. Just a strain entered into your spirit. Amen. Amen. Give Jesus a round of applause. He is worthy of it all. Who here is coming back tonight? Come back tonight. I'm going to lay hands on everyone in the building. And uh, we're going to have a great Holy Ghost service. And I'm believing God for many miracles and testimonies that will come out of these meetings. You'll never be the same. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name.